Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy almost Thanksgiving, everyone. So glad you're here. We've been using Sylvia Borstein's book, Happiness is an Inside Job, this month. And for those of you who haven't been here before, uh, let me catch up to what we've been learning about happiness. The idea of happiness as an inside job really means that we're basically in charge of our happiness. In fact, I'll let you in a little secret that we've talked about last week. Brain scientists are telling us our emotional makeup happens within just the first couple of minutes of when something happens to us. So, so let's say something that either is particularly nice or maybe particularly unnice happens to you. For a couple minutes, your emotions just take over, right? And we have that sense of, oh my gosh, either, either what a blessing or sometimes not so much, right? That, that feeling of where, what the heck just happened to me. And for at least a couple minutes, uh, pretty much out of our control. But you know what? They've discovered that anything lasting longer than a couple minutes, we have actually created it on our own. We've, we've allowed it to extend beyond those couple minutes. And so for those of you who, like me, occasionally find ourselves having a bad day, guess what? The first two minutes of that bad day, we can blame on something else. <laughs> but the whole rest of that bad day, we're actually creating it minute by minute by prolonging that initial sense of this is going to be a bad day. So I want to talk about that some more, of course, today, that idea of us being more in charge than we probably believe about our own emotional makeup. Where I want to start then is with the joke, and I think it will illustrate this idea of the inside-out part of our emotional makeup. So Joe, a farmer, needed to plow his field before a dry spell set in, but his own plow had broken. I know. I'll ask my neighbor Annabelle to borrow her plow. She's a good person. I'm sure she'll be glad to lend it to me. So Joe began to walk the three or four fields over to Annabelle's farm. After a a bit of walking, Joe says to himself, Gosh, I hope that Annabelle has finished her own plowing, or she'll not be able to loan me her machine. Then after a few more minutes of walking and worrying, Joe said to himself, And what if Annabelle's plow is as old and decrepit as mine? She's not going to want to lend it to me. She'll worry that I'll break it like I broke my own. And then after another field of walking, Joe says, Annabelle may not even want to be helpful. After all, the price of her wheat will go up if I have a crop failure. Now won't it? As Joe arrives at Annabelle's farm, he's thinking, that Annabelle, she sure can be a mean cuss. You know, I never did a thing to her, and now she's fixing to ruin me. Well, Joe, Joe knocks on Annabelle's door, and she answers, well, good morning, Joe. Lovely day. What can I do for you? And Joe says, I wouldn't borrow your plow if it was the last one on earth, you hateful cuss. Sadly... I have been Joe before. (laughs) I can think of at least a couple very distinct times in my life where I followed my train of emotions down into a pit from which it was very difficult to claw my way out. 
This is just one example, I think, of where our emotions can completely get carried away, where we can begin spinning, what, a story, if you will. Uh, Sometimes, not only do we allow our emotions to run away from us, but we actually get on board with that, right? We enhance it by building a further story around it. Because I'm angry, I'm going to tell a story about everybody treating me poorly in the world being a horrible place, which will amplify my feelings of being a victim, right? Which will then dig me a deeper hole. Well, you can see where I'm going with this. First of all, I want to suggest we can put a stop to that. And second of all, what if we spun it the other way? What if, in fact, we went into an upward spiral rather than a downward spiral? Do you think this is possible? So a couple weeks ago, I assigned you some nasty homework, and I'll review it uh, briefly. The nasty homework was to put a filter in your brain, and by that, to begin becoming more aware of the thoughts you're actually having as you're having them. And my request was to begin filtering when you feel that something bad is going on in your life. So if it was something that confronted you, if it was uh, an unwelcome suggestion by someone else, if something happens that clearly seems like it's out of line or wrong, I asked you just to put a filter in just to notice it and even ask yourself, well, is it really as bad as it seems or am I kind of embellishing a bit? Am I kind of playing the, you know, the you've heard of the playing the violin thing, making it into more of a story than it is. So that was my request a couple weeks ago. And some of you had uh, had some success with that. Now I would like to amplify that. I would like us to begin learning some tools that we might use for doing more than just noticing it. Noticing is the first step. But we can actually have some concrete tools for moving through that and coming up with a better mindset or better emotional set. So first of all, how do we interrupt our thinking? Well, we got to notice it. And sometimes we'll notice it by using a filter like that. But other times, I want to suggest we don't have the wherewithal to notice it until we're pretty well in it. Have you ever had one of those bad days where suddenly you noticed about 2 o'clock in the afternoon that the whole day has just gone to hell in a handbasket and you're ready to hang the towel up? So whether or not you have that filter in or not, I think all of us know when enough is enough. And that's our first tool. You can tell yourself, Larry, enough is enough. I don't need to be feeling this anymore. The two minutes are up. Remember that two-minute rule? That when the emotions grab you at first for at least a minute or two, there's not much you can do about it. You're just going to feel pissed off or feel extra happy or whatever the feeling is. For a couple minutes, it's a little bit out of your control. But after that point, you actually have power here. And one of your best tools can just be to say, enough is enough. I'm tired of feeling sad. I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. I'm tired of being pissed off. It's not really solving anything. Now, the reason that two-minute thing is there, it's actually a good thing, right? Within that two minutes, normally, we've had a chance to decide whether we're really going to do something about it or not. And thank heavens for that initial adrenaline rush. This really isn't fair. This is horrible. In some cases, you need to call 911, right? You need that fight or flight mechanism that's there, that adrenaline rush. It may get you out of harm's way. 
So right away, this is a good thing. We want to process that feeling, whether it's anger or upset or shock or whatever. Uh, we don't want to not have that. But then once we have really literally made our decision, okay, it's just the boss being angry. It's just my ex doing what my ex does sometimes. It's just the letter that came in the mail, right? Uh, there's that process that goes on us. That's where the choice point is. And we can simply say to ourselves, I'm finished being pissed off with this. Enough, Larry. <laughs> My sweet friend Larry, enough. <laughs> right? We'll be gentle with ourselves. Enough is enough. But what if enough isn't enough? Because I have some more tricks in my toolbox here. Occasionally you will find yourself literally ruminating, having something going around in your head over and over again. And it almost feels like you can't tell it to stop. Have you been in that place too, where some worry is circling around in your head, some, uh, some outrage that happened into the, in the past? Or maybe it's a worry about the future. What if this happens? And what if this happens? And, what? and then what if that happens? It's a little bit back to the Farmer Joe story, except thinking about negative things that might happen or could happen. In some of those cases, it may be difficult. You might say, stop, Larry, that's enough. And then about a second later, there you are again. <laughs> There's a lovely suggestion of Sylvia Borstein's in the book here that I want to read to you. This particular section is titled, A Break in the Clouds and a Silver Lining. She says, I recall how happy I, the first time I realized that I could say enough, no more of this for me, to a suffering mind state. I had previously believed that I was destined to struggle with an unhappy mind until the unhappiness ran its course, like a bout of the flu. Don't you love that metaphor? Well, I'm just angry. It's going to run its course. I'm just sad. I don't know how long it's going to take. When you have that attitude, right? You're the victim of your own emotion. But instead, she goes on, my discovery happened at the end of a day on retreat, not long after I'd begun my meditation practice. I don't remember the particular set of disturbing memories on that retreat so long ago, but I remember that as the day progressed, I became sadder and sadder, more and more demoralized by my own thinking processes. I started down the road that led from the meditation hall to the small cabin a quarter of a mile away that I was sharing with three other women. Just then, the bell announcing afternoon tea sounded. My mind thankfully paused long enough to make this thought. I wonder if there will be cookies for tea. <laughs> so you can see where Sylvia is going with this, right? As soon as she found an entryway, something to, to veer her off, she implanted it with an idea that was pleasant instead. So it wasn't just enough to stop, right? Just the stop part doesn't always work. Sometimes we'll find ourselves back in it. But cookies for tea, right? So who here, uh, in fact, here's a bit of audience participation, if you're willing. Who here has a favorite musical playlist? Raise, raise hands. 
musical playlist anyway? Do people know what I mean by playlist? So, so now that records no longer exist, <laughs> so, some of us our age are like, oh, he's talking about records. <laughs> the idea of a, of a playlist uh, is, of course, that on some kind of a musical device, you, you do a mashup of different songs that you particularly like. You put them on one playlist, and, uh, and there you have like all of your favorite songs at one time. So what do you like about your playlist? Yes. See, exactly, exactly. I call mine. In fact, if you if you look on my phone, you'll see Larry's happiness playlist. And I gotta tell you, uh, some of you might not appreciate all the disco music, but when I, <laughs> but when I am in a funk, yeah. Thank you, Erica. Erica's got Saturday night fever going in, in her head. But when I am feeling kind of funky, when I want to get out of that funk, I can just literally put that on and as grumpy as I am before long, right? It's, there's like, it's irresistible, I swear. Now, for some of you, that may not be your thing. For some of you, it may not be about music. But I almost guarantee that everyone here, if you think about it for a minute, could come up with something like that. It might be a favorite movie that even just saying the name of it and thinking of a couple scenes just makes you grin. At our house every year for the holidays, we watch a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. A couple of you are nodding on that one. And we, it's like we've seen it so many times, we have catchphrases. And, and if one of us is feeling bad, we'll say something like, oh, Clark, don't throw me down. And, uh, and it's just like instant, right? It's like instantly the mood can shift. What I know is that you have a happiness playlist as well. It might be a favorite movie. It might be reminiscing about a time in your life when the love was palpable. It might be a memory from childhood or, or a memory of being with friends that when you think of that, a smile automatically comes to your face. What I'm talking about, of course, is self-awareness. So first of all, the filter to notice you're prolonging an emotion. If it's a good emotion, good on you. Keep it up. If it's an unwanted emotion, however, you actually have some responsibilities here. After the two-minute mark, do I want to feel this way? And that's a totally legitimate question. After two minutes, even if the answer is, yeah, I'm going to stay pissed off for a little longer, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice to know that you're in charge of that? So first of all, ask yourself, is this what I want to be feeling? Is it appropriate? Is it useful? Am I actually going to go into the boss's office and demand something that changes? Am I actually going to call 911 and put an end to this madness? Or, you know, whatever it is, sometimes we need to do something. And so if you want to prolong that emotion to ensure you do something about it, great. That's a good plan. And then ask yourself, do I still want to keep feeling this? Is it productive for me to be sad all day? Is it productive and useful? Do I want to be having that emotion? And if the answer is no, first, let's try the stop technique, right? The, oh my gosh, Larry, do you want to continue this or could we just stop? Is enough enough? 
that may be enough. Just the noticing that you've gotten a little bit out of control may be enough, and that would be great. If not, though, let us have in our back pocket that happiness playlist, that idea of what could I do to switch this around? And so I'm sure you're, you're noticing homework is uh, coming at you. Your homework for this week, and I think it's perfectly time for Thanksgiving, honestly, because part of my happiness playlist includes what am I grateful for? I swear you cannot be angry or sad and grateful at the same time. It's a wonderful antidote. Really anything that opens your heart up and puts aside unwanted hurt or despair or anger or sadness is fair game. It might be literally counting your blessings. might be a funny story that you remember. It might be calling a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. Someone that you know when you talk to them, you'll always be uplifted, right? All of those techniques are at your disposal. But the homework for this week is, what can I do? What do I know about me uniquely? We'll get that switched around. Could it be as simple as a piece of music or watching uh, a movie that you love? Could it be rereading a, a book that you loved as a child? Could it be being on the phone with someone that you love and that you know cares about you and will just listen to you pour your heart out, right? We clear on homework? Okay, that sounds good. Well, let me review a little bit about what we've covered today. First of all, we know that we can prolong or end a mood or feeling, right? The two-minute mark, right about then, hopefully you can decide, you'll notice, oh my gosh, this has really bugged me. Do I want to still be feeling this? Right around the two, three-minute mark, check in with yourself. What am I feeling? Is it useful for me to still be feeling this? Then you can choose to stop a negative rumination or end that feeling if you want to. Now, this will take some practice. I know we're not used to someone, even ourselves, saying, okay, Larry, it's time to stop being sad. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy when I say it that way, doesn't it? And yet, in a way, that is what I'm suggesting, is that you can say, okay, Larry, it's time to just wake up out of this funk, right? Time to just say, do you want to still be feeling this or is enough enough? And then I move forward. We also talked about the idea of knowing ourselves well enough to have that happiness playlist. What can I do to change the mood? I know I want to. I know I don't want to continue being funky or angry. What can I do for myself to make that change? And then finally, sometimes we'll use that filter but sometimes we have really dug ourselves into a hole. Sometimes uh, the emotional horse has run away with us, us just merrily <laughs> riding along, allowing ourselves to get madder and madder. Notice that as well. Sometimes it's well beyond that two-minute mark. That's okay. It's appropriate to stop it and evaluate it anytime. Anytime you notice yourself carried away with your emotions, are they still useful? Is that an emotion you still want to be feeling? Is it prompting you to do something that's important? Then go do it. If not, let us move on. Finally, the idea that we can literally make a silver lining for ourselves. We have the option of parting those clouds. I'm going to close with a prayer, of course, but I want to do uh, one last reading here of Sylvia Borstein's. 
She says, my practice is remembering that although whatever is happening is the lawful consequences of myriad causes. Now here she's talking pure science of mind, right? The idea of cause and effect. So she's owning up to the fact that the pickle she might be in is part of her, her own consequences for being on the planet, right? We, we often make our own messes, like, like Joe the farmer was making a, a grand one with his neighbor. But then she goes on to say that that may be beyond her easy control, but the relationship that she holds towards it is within her control. I can choose on behalf of happiness. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. I call this thing God, but gosh, it goes by many names throughout the world. Know that it is all there is. That God is present everywhere. God is all loving. God is all hearing and all wise. And this thing is also, because it's everywhere present, part of my life. I'm right in the middle of it. And in fact, God is using me, moving through me every day as part of its own awareness of the world. Part of the, the hearts and the hands of God are mine. And so for today, for me, I recognize that there is this ability to monitor my own thinking that I have that ability to simply stop myself when my emotions have run away from myself, when my thinking has become unwise. I can say enough is enough. And as it is true for me, I know it can be true for, for each person within the hearing of my voice. Everyone has that ability to say enough is enough. I choose to think differently. I choose to feel differently. I choose the freedom of my own intentions. And I intend to have a good day. I intend to be kind and loving. I intend to put aside the things that might have riled me up or caused me sadness. Once I've dealt with them, let us move on. And so this I know without question for, for everyone, that power of choice, that power of emotional and mental freedom exists. And with each coming day, we choose more wisely. We become more aware of the impact that we have on ourselves and each other. And so for this, I give great thanks, knowing that all is good. I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.